has for First Church. If you have your Bible, if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 33 is where I'll begin reading. That's Luke chapter 8 and verse 33. I'll read a few verses of Scripture there and want to direct your attention to the Word of the Lord to preach to you for just a few moments on this Sunday morning. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in that country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. This crazed lunatic possessed with thousands of demons has wreaked havoc on this region for who knows how long. And now... They see him sitting at the seat of our Savior's feet. And the Bible says, and they were afraid. So what I came to preach to you on this Sunday morning is this. Don't let revival scare you. I'm going to say that again. I want that to sink in. Don't let revival scare you. I want you to know it's time for us to get ready to see some things that we never thought we would ever see. And when it happens, I don't want to be scared. I want to celebrate. Is there anybody ready for revival? I want you to put your hands together and let's celebrate what the Savior is trying to say to this church. Somebody just dance in advance that revival is coming to First Church, to you, to your family. I want it personally and we need it. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This story as it's told, as it unfolds, happens after our Savior tells the fellas, go get in the boat and let's go over to the other side. And they get into a ship, as it were, experienced sailors. And while they are there, I don't know how it happened but it did. They let the Lord go to sleep. They let our Savior get down in the bottom of the boat, find himself a place that was comfortable enough to take a nap, and he did. And it just so happened, or maybe it just so happened, while he was sleeping, a storm came. I want to tell you that storms are going to come, but if you want to make certain that there's a storm that comes in your life, then you just let God go to sleep. You just let Him take a break from what's happening in your life. I don't know how you feel about it, but I got to have Jesus alive and well and awake every second of every day that I live. I can't afford to get comfortable in the chaos. I've got to wake up a Savior and say, God, I need you every moment of every day. I I need the Lord helping me on my way. Can't make it without it. I can't make him without it for a day, for an hour, for a minute, or a second. I've got to have my Savior. They found that he was asleep. And as the storm raged and they feared for their very lives, they 
went to the bottom of the boat and they woke him up and said, Lord, we perish. In other words, they were saying, unless you do something about my dilemma, this is going to take me out. How many of you have ever been to a place where you said, God, you got to do something here. I need you to come through for me. I know that if you don't do it, it's not going to get done and I have to have your help. I thank God for the God that we serve, that he is a way maker. Anybody hear the song we sang? It's a way maker. A miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. That's who we're serving today. Brother Clyde, that's who was in the bottom of the boat and they got him up and he just stepped to the front of the ship and said, peace be still. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that's how easy it was? Peace be still. And the storm left quicker than it came. Peace be still. And the storm subsides. The world that we live in is crying for peace. They declare peace, peace, but there is no peace. When you read current events, I don't see how that you can see the current events of the day and not understand that we are in the midst of a severe storm. This world is not getting better, it's getting worse. How many of you know the things that are going on overseas? How many of you understand what Israel has to do with prophecy? There are things that are happening now that need to awaken us to awaken him and understand we've got to have God not only in the boat but alive and well and awake and say, peace be still or we will sink in the storm. That's why I'm saddened and alarmed and Disappointed and frustrated, a whole host of emotions at the people that could be and should be here but aren't. And I thank God for all of you. Don't misunderstand when I'm up here telling you how disappointed and frustrated I am that people aren't here. I'm glad that you're in the boat, but there are people that are sinking in the storm and we can't stay satisfied in the ship while they sink. Something needs to stir us up and say, we got to get God awake in this situation so he can speak peace to the storm. If you know pastors preaching, say amen. amen. Peace, peace. But there is no peace. They offer nothing for us except a declaration of difficulty. I get frustrated when people just present with me problems and don't have any thought to what the solution is. I want somebody to say, here's the problem, but I've been praying about it and I've been thinking about it and here's what I think will work. And then I've been talking to God about it. That'd be good if I was talking to God about it and say, God, I need you to get up and I need you to say and to speak. I need your word to go forth. I don't know how you feel about it, but in this world that we are living in, I got to have a word from God. I can't trust it to my emotions and my thoughts and my feelings. I got to know what God says. Because I'm just going to tell you something, friend. No matter how wonderful they were at being a sailor, that ship was going to sink. But then they got a word from God. And a word from God changes everything. I'm going to say that again. A word from God changes everything. It trumps everything. It trumps what we feel. It trumps what we know. It trumps what we think. A word from God. And a word from God was... Peace be still. And they go from that miracle, that miracle of the storm. Sister McMillan, it left quicker than it came. And they were amazed. They said, wow, what authority he has that he speaks. And even the wind and the waves obey him. 
I remind you again, that's the God that we serve today. That's the God that we worshiped in this service today and continue to do. And that's why we're here now hearing what the word of the Lord would say so that we can follow after what the Spirit says and be safe and secure. Peace be still, the storm subsides, they're amazed, they marvel, they're in awe. Wow, he has such authority that even the winds and the waves obey him. So they should not have been surprised when they stepped onto the shore of the gathering that though there were many, multiple, thousands of demons in a man that caused him to be a crazed lunatic. Now let me just, let me just paint the picture as, as, as briefly as I can, but still with the same understanding so that you get and understand the kind of man that we're talking about. This man was a crazed lunatic that was possessed with thousands of demons that caused him to do things that brought fear to the people that surrounded him. He lived in the graveyards. They tried to shackle him with chains but he would break the chains he ran around without any clothing at all he was scary somebody say scary he was the one then that when they were talking to their kids and they wanted to scare them they would tell the stories of the demoniac of gathering anybody have anybody in your family that told scary stories anybody know what I'm talking about Oh, y'all don't know what you're missing, man. I can remember as a kid, my sweet grandmother, nobody would ever believe this. But my sweet grandmother used to tell me stories that would scare me. And do you know what she would do? She would go get pantyhose. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, about pantyhose? Anybody know what that, you know what she would do, Sister Moody? She would take that pantyhose and she would pull them over her face. I can still see it to this day. I hate that y'all missed out on this. And she would tell me the story of the bucket of blood. I remember being so scared when she got done. And I would say, Grandma, take that, take that off. I just stop telling the story out. But she would tell about how it was on the first step. And it was on the second step. I remember hearing stories as a kid that scared me. And I had family members in my family that would tell those kind of stories. And my grandmother's face would light up when she would see the fear on her grandkids' face. And then she would love taking that off and then being the hero that would bring us into the safety. And then we'd go get something good to eat. You know, that's a good solution just about anything. Let's have just go get something. Scary stories. No doubt... No doubt those stories that were told, they didn't even have to amp it up. They didn't even have to make it up. This guy was a crazed lunatic. He was scary. Somebody say he was scary. He was scary. scary. They stepped onto the shore of the Gadarene and he knew who it was that had arrived there. And the demons in him, The demons in him said, what are you doing to us? Why have you come to torment us before our time? I want somebody to know it's time we let hell know that hell has had them long enough. It's our time to do what God has told us to do. Don't sit there and look scared. I don't want revival to scare you. I want revival to excite you and say it's time for us to say, devil, you've had them long enough. 
Devil, they've been addicted long enough. Devil, they've been backslid long enough. Devil, they've had you controlling their every thought and action long enough. The Savior, the Savior has stepped onto the shore. Don't let revival scare you. Don't let revival scare you. He wasn't scared. He knew he had all power. He knew who he was. Do you know who we are? Do you know what we have? We have what they need. I'm going to say that again. We have what they need. I'm going to say it one more time. We have what they need. What I want to know is does revival scare you to just stay satisfied and sit in your seat on Sunday and say... That's good singing. That's good preaching. I like being a part of First Church. They give cool gifts to visitors. And man, we have ice cream socials and that's all wonderful. I want to know, does it scare you enough to say, I'm just going to sit here and be satisfied while my family who's lost goes to hell, while my community who's addicted goes to hell, while the people that I work with and go to school with go to hell? I think something has to get a hold of us that says we have the authority in the name of Jesus to walk into situations and say, I've got what you need. Why don't you come with me, make a connection, continue, and we'll celebrate revival. I'm preaching, don't let revival scare you. Now you would have thought, you would have thought they'd have been scared when this naked, crazy lunatic comes running with chains that dangling and saying, why are you tormenting me before my time? They knew what was going to happen. That's why they said, oh, don't send us into the depths. We know what's getting ready to happen. Hell knows that hell loses. It does what doesn't want to lose too bad. I'm just going to tell you something, friend. If you're a winner, you don't care how bad you lose. Losing is losing. Oh, well, we played a good game. Good for you. I'm sorry, but if I play, I want to win. Now, before you throw stones at pastor, let me just tell you something. There's nothing wrong with the attitude that says, I want to win. And I want somebody to know this. I don't only want to win, but I want to shut out Satan. I want Satan to know that we don't want you to get one. We're not satisfied if you only get two, three, or a part of this community, or a part of this city. We want revival. Does revival scare you? Don't let revival scare you. They weren't scared by the crazed lunatic. They weren't scared by the guy that's running around. Chains can't hold him. And yet when the Savior shows up, he just simply speaks the word. I want somebody to hear what I'm telling you today. The word... The word that he speaks does not have to be deep. It does not have to be some big, huge pomp and circumstance. All he did was simply stepped onto the shore, Brother Marty, and he said, go. Go. Somebody say, go. See, now that wasn't hard. Go. I got a feeling, Brother Littles, that all he got out was go, and they were gone. Because they knew 
that when he showed up, they couldn't stay. I want to preach to you. When light shows up, darkness cannot stay. I want to preach to you on this Sunday that when light shines, darkness cannot stay. He said, go. And they were gone. You know where they went? They went into a herd of swine. I was in Branson. And whenever I was there, I went to see Jesus. Jesus is a sight and sound production that tells the life of Christ. And while I was watching that production of Jesus, I saw, and Jeremy, it's pretty wild when you see it visualized, these thousands of pigs just diving off a mountain into the sea below. And whenever I I looked at that, I was like, wow, this is like the scene from a movie or something. And you know, that really appeals to everyone because we're so visual today. I remember when I used to play electronics, there was this little line and the way I scored a touchdown is I made that line go through all these other little lines that were trying to tackle me. Now they come off the screen and they literally do what the people do in real life. I'm telling you, we are a visual society. But let me tell you what I saw when I saw thousands of pigs just going off of a mountain and plummeting to the sea. I saw that there was a miracle that took place when our Savior said to the Those demons, you no longer have control of this man. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And when I say go, you can't stay. Somebody hear what I'm preaching today. The God that we serve, when he says go, the devil can't stay. I'm going to say that again. When he says go, the devil can't stay. Somebody say amen. amen. They went. They plummeted to the bottom of the sea where they and the demons within met their demise. And those, now this is, you need to read this passage. I shared with you in the text. Those that fed them, the people that fed them, the ones that took care of the pigs. Now hear what I'm preaching. The ones that took care of the pigs, they got scared. Anybody ever saw something and you just took off running? You're like, whoa, that's I'm out of here, man. I'm not messing with that. They weren't scared of the crazed lunatic that had wreaked havoc in their homes and all over the world in that community that they lived. They weren't scared of that. They were scared of somebody that had the power to say to demons, go to the pigs and watch the pigs die. They got scared and they fled. You know, I think, I, I think the reason why that happened is they started to think, we're out of a job. Brother Larry, they started thinking, ain't no more bacon, egg, and cheese muffins for me. I can have the muffin with the egg and the cheese, but ain't no bacon. I mean, and what good is a muffin without bacon? I figured I might get somebody to preach with me there that ain't preached with me. So I'm just wondering, is there anybody that understands that bacon and butter makes everything better? What are we going to do? We don't have a job. I don't know what to do. I don't have a job. And so... With that fear and that anxiety, they run back and they start telling people. I wonder how they told the story. Do you know how that you can tell a story and the way you tell the story is really the story? Is anybody understanding what I'm saying right now? You can tell a story and the way you tell the story 
is really the story. You can spin it to say what you want it to say. They went back and they said something that convinced everybody that was in the region roundabout to come out and to see what took place. And so you got to imagine, they had this scared look on their face. Anybody ever had anybody run up to you with a scared look on your face like, what's wrong? You know something's happening. You hear a shriek, a scream, and you're like, oh, what's going on? How, how can we help? They didn't run back and say, oh, you're never going to believe this. He's, he's, he's crazy. He's broke the chains. He's, he's running around. He's scaring our kids. It's terrible. No, they went back and they said, he killed our pigs. He took, he just stole our future. He just robbed us of everything that we've worked for. Do you know how long I've been working with these pigs? You people aren't going to believe this. This guy, I mean, the guy's really not that bad. He only has 2,000 demons. It could be worse. Oh yeah, we laugh, but something happened in these people. They got scared of what revival might cost them. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take my coat off because I know what's happening now. I'm getting ready to have to preach. I'm going to put it up there so it doesn't get wrinkled and it doesn't cost me to have to get it dry clean. Because when we want to talk about cost, that's when we start getting scared about revival. Oh, no, we're, we're cool with this, this stuff, you know. Give them a cute little cup, stress ball, little pen. That's neat. Cool first church pen you got there. Yeah, that's awesome. Take that to school with you. Take notes. It'll be great. Yeah, it's wonderful. We, you know, we're good. Let's keep having those ice cream socials. I love banana splits. A little bit of sprinkle on top. That's awesome. Let's keep doing that. But let's not, let's not get crazy, Pastor, okay? Let, let's not, let's not open it up for everybody. You know, I want, I want my family in the boat, but. I don't know about everybody because, you know, I mean, when you get all those animals in the boat, anybody know what I'm talking about? You get a bunch of animals. Ooh, that Put animals and people and all the world in a boat and the boat starts to stink. It does. It smells. Here's what I love. I love First Church, but if you are here and you're visiting First Church and you think that First Church isn't ever going to stink, I got news for you. Sorry. I'm supposed to be spinning it how I, If you'll just meet with me in the back, I'd love to give you a stress ball and a little cup. and You can drink coffee in it if you want to. That's great. But there's more to it than that. Life sometimes stinks. Life sometimes deals us difficulty that we don't like. And there are problems. Somebody was saying, oh, well, you know, I quit church because I got hurt at church. Guess what? If you've gone to church, you've gotten hurt at church. You want to know why? Because there are people that go to church. And people hurt people. Nobody's taking notes on this. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not offended. I'll just tell you again. It's true. Church hurt happens. 
Aren't you glad that I'm not up here preaching today because I could keep you here till about 10 o'clock tonight and tell you about all the church hurt I've had. Me, just me. It'd just be my church hurt. And then we'd say, okay, who's next? And buddy, you talk about a scary open mic night. That would be a scary open mic night. Because you'd all be gone by the time I get done. You're like, my God, I don't want to hear anymore. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. If we think that we can just keep coming and playing patty cake Pentecost and everything's going to be all right in our homes and in our city and where we work and everything's going to be all right in this world, I want you to know it's not going to be all right. We've tried to chain it. We've tried to calm it. But it's not going to happen. The only thing that's going to work is if somebody sees you need a word from God. You need the power of God to step into your situation and speak to that and say, I'm willing to pay whatever it costs to have revival. What? Are you kidding me, Pastor? Are you being serious here? How could that possibly be? These people lost their job. These people lost their income. They didn't have anything to... What what were they supposed to do? I think what they missed is when they all got back there, they see this crazed lunatic. He's clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of of Jesus. Now to me what that would say is I don't have to worry about tomorrow's bacon, egg and cheese. I got somebody that's on my shore that can speak to a problem that has been a problem that could not be solved and by simply speaking a word could solve that problem. I don't want him to leave. I want him to stay. Matter of fact, I want him to stay no matter what the cost. I so desperately need the power of God that I want him to stay no matter what it costs me personally. I have a question for all of you. Everybody says they want revival, but are we willing to let it cost us personally in order to see it happen? Before we judge all these people that said, get out of here, God. I'm not making that up. They did. Jesus, get out of here. God, Go. They said to him what he said to the demons. They were so concerned about their personal welfare that they asked God to leave. Is it that we are so concerned about our personal welfare that we are willing to ask God to go so we don't have to pay a price for revival? Now I preach, don't let revival scare you, but some of you are starting to look scared. Because when you start talking about cost, I love talking about things that I want. But it always comes down to what does it cost? Then I make a decision. Is what I want worth the cost that I will incur? How many of you realize that now is a really tough time to buy a house, to buy a car, to buy anything just about? It's definitely a seller's market. But when you need something, you got to determine. You got to make up your mind. Is this worth the cost? So are the things that I'm deciding today based upon what's best for me and my family spiritually or are the things that I'm deciding today best for what God has planned? I don't want revival to scare you, but I do want to be perfectly honest and tell you that revival is going to cost you something. 
I'm going to say it again, maybe a couple times. Revival is going to cost you something. Revival is going to cost you something. Is there anybody that has anything that has tremendous quality that it came cheap? It seems to me that everything that I get that has tremendous quality costs something. There's a reason why the things at the dollar store don't last long. Can I get a witness? Oh, I know you all have to love when we give those dollar gifts away and those kids come down there with big old eyes and they get a hundred toys. And I guarantee you that every kid that got a toy, I hate to say this, but every kid that got a toy, Sister Lisa, they're somewhere in a dumpster or in a landfill. Because they don't cost. There's a reason why they're cheap. They're cheap. Now we can say, stay here and be satisfied to just have, I'm not telling you we got Dollar Tree religion here. I'm just trying to tell you that I can't sit satisfied. I don't know. I'm just, maybe I'm preaching to me, but I can't sit satisfied on Sunday. When I look here and there and everywhere and I see empty pews where people used to sit and I think about the fact, I want you to think about this today, that if people aren't here, where are they? Are you saying everybody that leaves pastors going to hell? No, but I want to know where they're going to go because where they decide to go will determine where they will decide to spend eternity. First church is not the only way to heaven, but it's a good way. I'm going to say that again. First church is not the only way to heaven, but it's a good way. I don't want revival to scare you. But I would be amiss if I didn't tell you it's going to cost you something. Revival is going to be costly. And it was so costly that they show up and they see the miracle. The miracle at the feet of Jesus. And they say, God, we'd like to ask you to go. Because if you stay... How many more of us are going to experience personal cost? Personal cost. Personal cost. I pause because I want to keep hearing that little baby cry. Yeah. You know what? I love that in the natural. That doesn't bother me. If that bothers you, I'm sorry. It doesn't bother me. I, obviously, I preach past uh, many things. There's no issue with that. But I want to hear that in the spirit. I want to hear that in the spirit. I want there to be. Sister Michelle, I want there to be babies crying. Because to us, we're like, my God, shut that baby up. The pastor's trying to preach. And I'm, I'm hungry. He needs to hurry up and get out. Because guess what happens when you have revival? You have babies. And guess what happens when you have babies? Am I preaching? I don't know if you talked about this in Moms Connect, but when you have babies, babies poop their diapers. Babies make a mess. I just went down to a restaurant while I was gone, sat down, and I picked a table, and I picked a table that I had no clue, but the people that were there before me had a baby. And there was stuff everywhere. Because when you have babies, there's stuff everywhere. But we want babies. We want babies at First Church. 
We want revival at First Church. We want people that don't have hope anywhere else to come to First Church and find hope. The guy had thousands of demons and would have gone to hell possessed by devils. But something happened when the Savior walked onto the shore. He saw hope where there was no hope and he came running and Jesus came through. I want to tell you, friend, you can sell this to your people. You can sell this to your loved ones. You can sell this to this community and everywhere you go that if you'll come running, you'll find hope in him. But what will they find in us? The question is, what will we do? What will we do? Will we run scared from revival? Stand with me. I don't want anybody to be scared of revival, but I don't want anybody to think that revival comes at no cost. The revival that God has for First Church is a revival that's going to be costly. And when we talk about cost, I know the immediate thought is, how much is it going to cost me? Pastor, what are you looking for? What do I have to write the check for? How much am I going to have to give in order for this to happen? And if you don't think that's a part, then you're sadly mistaken because it costs economically. But there are things that are even more valuable than economics. And I want to say that again so that it sinks in. There are things that are more valuable than economics. I want to say that again. There are things that are more valuable than economics. I want that to hit home. I want that to sink in. There are things that are more valuable than economics. Now, if that's not the case, you tell me this. How in the world could people that have the kind of money that you were talking about in the millions and billions, how is it that they could take their very own life? If money is the solution set and it's not, then only economics would be what we're talking about. But of course, that's not the only thing we're talking about today. We're talking about the requirement of becoming as unselfish as he was and say today, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of revival. I want revival. I want revival enough to say, I'll pay. I'll pay. Well, you don't even you don't even know how much it costs, Pastor. You're right, I don't. But I do know this. Whatever it costs, it's worth it. When there's treasure in the field, whoo, somebody hear what I'm preaching to you right now. When there's treasure in the field, you don't care what the field costs. You say, I'll pay whatever you ask because the treasure's in the field. Don't let revival scare you. I want you to know, church, the treasure's in the field. The treasure's in the field. I'm asking you. You want God to go? You want to tell Him? Go! Because if you don't leave, I'm going to have to pay for what you can do. It's not cheap, but it's free. Whosoever will. Let him come. This is open to everybody. We want revival at First Church. We want revival at First Church. And I want everybody to know revival is going to cost. But it's worth it. Don't let revival scare you. Bow your heads with me if you would, please. Father, today we thank you because you have been in this place. You, God, the same one that spoke to the troubled sea and the storm subsided. You, the same one that said go and the demons left 
the man of Gadarene and he sat at your feet in his right mind and clothed. He wanted to go with you. You told him that he couldn't because he had a job to do. So it cost him too. When you do for us, you do for us with the intention to do it to it, but also through it, each vessel that you fill. I pray, God, that you would allow people at First Church, precious people that are in this place today, to see the significance and the necessity of revival so much so that they say, I don't care what the cost, I'll pay. Economics, time, energy, effort, whatever it is, I'm willing to do whatever I got to do to see the revival not only in my family, but in others. I pray that would happen in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many of you are here today and you just would slip out of your seat with nobody looking around, walk to the front of the building and say, I'm buying, I'm buying. I'm not selling today, I'm buying. I want to get I want to get my hands in the harvest. I want to be willing to do whatever it takes. I want to be willing to pay whatever the price is because I desperately want revival. Revival doesn't scare me, it excites me. Revival excites me because I know that soon, after connections and continuance, there'll be celebration. If you desire for that to happen, you're welcome to come to this altar. If not, God bless you. Thanks for being a part of this service. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. To everybody that wants revival and it doesn't scare you, come say, I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm all in. I want to be a part. I want to do it. I want to put my hands in the harvest. I want to be involved. As they sing, I'd love for you to make a commitment to Him that you're not scared of revival. You want it no matter what the cost.